Yes. Anytime you are someone who is carrying a calling and people's queens, y'all carry some of the highest callings because you are meant to go against people sometimes, narratives, stories, fear. You're meant to go against, you're like at the battleground, right? And so anytime you are carrying a calling that is not just about you, you better understand that spiritual warfare comes with it. You have to choose, you have to choose right now. Now, is this the path you're going on? Do you believe in it? Do you believe that God is appointing you on it? Do you believe that he is gonna be steering you in all the right directions and all the right people? I think anyone who has a calling from God, like I think what triggers all of us collectively is when we feel like we're put in a box because God has literally put this desire in us to be greater than what we are seeing. Be open to letting God then open the door and bring in his people because he has, he has appointed people for your path. Welcome to The Queen Path, a podcast that serves as a royal remembrance of embodying the woman God has called you to be. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Queen Path podcast. I am your host, Oni Consola, aka Sola, and welcome to the show. So for this very special episode in honor of the People's Queen archetype, I will be interviewing my fellow sister in Christ, a dear friend of mine. Her name is Crystal Fabella. She's the founder of Filipina on the Rise, which is a podcast in a global community. She's also a public speaker and an activist for socioeconomic justice. She is currently in the middle of an incredible campaign where she is raising $50,000 for her community. And just for the advancement of Filipina excellence, she is truly an incredible example of the people's queen archetype. So if, if you have this archetype or if you're curious about this archetype, this conversation will really get to give you insight to the mindset, the mentality that is required to do some of the incredible things that she has done and how she utilizes faith in the process of her becoming the greatest version of herself. So without further ado, this is my interview with the People's Queen, Crystal Fabella. And this will be just about 50 to 60% of our full conversation that we had to hear the full interview. All you have to do is be enrolled in the Queen Path course, and this will be updated in the member section for all of the People's Queens who are in this course. Enjoy the interview. I literally had someone comment and say, I can see your good intentions, honey, but you clearly have not decolonized your mind yet. And you are not qualified to hold this kind of space. And I think it could actually do a lot of harm and damage to try to lead this kind of conversation. And wow, that really could have completely broken me down because that is, that is in one sentence, every every like word and fear that I could have around this. And that is of being unqualified and like, who are you to lead this kind of mission and community? You don't have an expertise in it. You didn't go to school for this. You don't have credibility for, you know, like all those things. And, and then to say like, you can do harm. And it really made me look back and think of all those points of my life where I could have stopped and said like, well, I'm not actually qualified for this. I, I shouldn't lead this a statewide political campaign because I'm not qualified for it. I shouldn't try to like fight for other survivors of sexual assault because I'm not, qual- you know, I shouldn't do that because I, I'm not qualified for this. I shouldn't speak on this like panel. I shouldn't like all those things. But it's, it's like, I think it made me realize how many times in my life over and over again, I had to say like, 
I'm underqualified for it and I'm I'm going through with it anyways because action matters more than inaction, right? And stay staying silent is the greatest harm that any of us could ever do more than the harm that could be caused by the wrong action, I believe. And I love that you you brought that up because that's the scripture that I want to kick this this interview with. It's like I think it's in 2 Corinthians, oh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so you are being called to serve in a certain thing that some people could say, oh, but she's not qualified. She doesn't have this experience in this and she doesn't ex- experience in that. But the beautiful thing is like daughters of God, of queens of God, like we're not here to impress man. We're not here to prove to people that we're qualified to do the things that God has called us to do. And so I love that you mentioned that now more than ever, you have to inundate yourself with the words of truth, essentially. It's like you are a crystal, you are set apart for the mission that you have ahead of you. And throughout scripture, it's the story of every single person in the Bible. Like, do you think, how do you think Abraham felt when God was, God was like, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to give you a son. <laughs> and he's like out here. Praying and he's like, what? You know, or David, right before he went to go slay Goliath, literally the Lord was like, all right, like I'm calling mm-hmm. you to do this thing. It doesn't make sense. But mm-hmm. David had something in him that he couldn't explain to other people. He's like, yes, this is what I was called yeah. to do. And so oh you, my gosh, you're moving with calling. So what is that? Have you always felt like you lived your life in the sense that you always felt like you were called to do certain things, like you were moving with the calling? Yeah. yeah. I feel like since I was a little girl, I always knew that there was something like of a mission that I was going to be appointed to accomplish and that there was, it was going to be outside of like the conventional professional realms. And I think because of that, um, I mean, like at a young age, I was like really connected to like God and like talking to him as a little girl, like through like the garden and like thinking of what plans he was going to have for me. But at the same time, it allows, it makes you navigate life like K through 12, let's say, kind of feeling like a fish out of the water or like the black sheep, like a very covert black sheep because everybody else I looked around me kind of like knew a path, it seemed, of career. And I always what like didn't I was trying so hard to fit in to find exactly what that trajectory was. But what it was actually always like pulling me outside and distracting me and pulling me out of like the school system, the classes, the, the ABC trajectory was like fighting injustices. Like I would always <laughs> get like pick up on a current like injustice, especially around what women were going through. And mm-hmm. it would just like, it felt like I was playing on a, like a different field in there. And my parents would always be like, you're doing too much. You're getting distracted, go back to your work. But then on the side, like in my bedroom, I was like making projects. And like, I need this, like this uh, student organization in high school around like stopping women who are getting trafficked and like, and then they would 
catch me again doing that. I get in trouble. And then mm. in college, I tried to stay on the track, but then I would catch myself also picking up on, um, you know, like other social injustice causes and like, you, you know, all these things and, and working on that. So I think that it's always been innate to, to find like that, that other invisible need going on. And uh, like, I always say like my superpower is tapping into the collective conscience and like what is needed and seeing something that needs to be built, but no one is like saying it yet. And just like seeing it very, feeling it very clearly, whether that was like gathering other, you know, survivors and, and holding safe spaces and and running consent campaigns or or running Philippine on the rise and like creating up like the Filipino soul sisterhood membership and like different educational courses where like professors from around the country now are speaking at our seminars that I just never, like, I would have never thought that this is like something that, you know, I'm putting together, but it was, it's, it's just been this constant, like muscle that you flex about like tapping into the conscience of Mm. the collective, the underrepresented, the under spoken for and stuff and like doing that consistently. Um, but I was doing that at a young age and getting kind of like reprimanded for it because it doesn't fit with a system. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you're, I mean, yeah. of course you guys know that she is the founder of Filipina on the rise. So she is Filipina and, you know, being someone who is in this country, you would consider yourself to be first generation or no. Right? I would say 1.5. Perfect. 1.5. I, I call it 1.5, meaning that you was you were born in another country, but you came here and you grew up in your formative years, really culturally conditioned and grown here in the States. So let's, let's talk about that because I'm, I mean, you're 1.5. I'm first generation. We're essentially like, you know, sisters in this. I'm Nigerian. And you were saying that growing up, you would be reprimanded for essentially being yourself, essentially answering the call that God has put on your life. How do you feel like your, you know, your upbringing, your cultural upbringing has had an impact on your calling to serve, your calling to be someone who is such an advocate for change? Yeah, yeah. So let me backtrack a little bit and tell you the story, because I think it's always really interesting to see the irony of running a platform, a community called Philippine on the Rise when growing up, I had never really felt connected to my cultural identity or proud about it. Um, And really pushing it away at sometimes striving for other communities, attaching to whiteness, looking for social mobility um, outside of my own racial class and group. And I, I say that now because I feel like I can own that experience. And yeah. for better or for worse, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like I was like a little girl planning on this, but I feel like at a young age, I remembered feeling like I couldn't be too Filipino or else I might be stuck in a box or else people wouldn't take me seriously. I wouldn't be able to, you know, rise the ranks or I like wanted to hang out with the popular people or to, to like, just get out of this immigrant community that I felt like rejected me and my passions. And I felt like that we were always keeping ourselves small. Those were assumptions I made because Filipinos historically, if you look at us um, as the immigration history and as part of the diaspora, 
um, going back a little bit, we were colonized for 400 years by Spain and then the United States. And because of getting very, I would say, Americanized during that time, they really deployed a lot of us as healthcare workers for the United States and the rest of the world. So because of that, we became a really established, I guess, as this is what our professions are, nurses and doctors, healthcare, right? And I want to give the history behind that because I don't want to like ever pit down my community for like staying in a box because we were like forced to, you know, our, we were like institutionally (laughs) um, systematically put in a box in that sense. And so because of that, when um, you immigrate here and I did, I was born in Manila. I came here at a young age and instantly like you're put in an immigrant community and the formula, and I talk about this on my podcast, on my Instagram is it's like, I see like the the Filipino formula Mm. and it's you basically go into school, you go into something stable that is, you know, medical healthcare, nursing. A lot of us are nurses. Like that is just like such a big role and you want to be stable. And then maybe like 10, 15 years later, that's when you pursue your path. And I hated hearing that all the time. Like, oh, you like to do that. Yeah. But you should really go into nursing. Oh, but like you should be a nurse first. And then like, it just, it was this like narrative that I, oh, I felt sick with. And like, I feel like it, it made me detest so much about my community and maybe even about myself of like, why are we so like self-limiting? Not that nursing is limiting at all, but it just, it made me feel like I want to reject every side of this, like everything about this. And so I really kind of like would try to be everything but Filipino, <laughs> like in a crazy way. Oh, I resonate so, with that. I resonate with that. Really? Oh my oh, God. I resonate with that so much. You have no idea. It was the same thing for me. Like growing up Nigerian, it was the same thing. It's like, we came to this country to give you the best future. And that looks like doctor or lawyer or Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's safety. Right. And so even for me, when I was in college, I couldn't hang out with Africans. I was like, no, you guys remind me too much of my parents. I was like hanging out with the hippies and all of that. Cause I was like, these are my true people. Yes. <laughs> because yes. Yeah, yeah. I felt, I mean, I think anyone who has a calling from God, like I think what triggers all of us collectively is when we feel like we're put in a box because God has literally put this desire in us to be greater than what we are seeing, to never limit ourselves to what our eyes can see. And so I think that's even like our collective experience of children of God. It's like, we are beyond what we are being programmed to be. And so we will naturally rebel against anything that feels like programming. And then without God, we'll just end up falling for another program. You know, it's like training another program, Mm -hmm. another program, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we are tribal by nature. We seek belonging in a group, right? And so that's, I feel like that's what a lot of us are doing, um, are just looking for that new identity, looking for that new group of belonging. And, you know, the way that Philippine on the Rice came to be was actually just this organic unraveling that led up to this identity crisis. Right. Um, Right (laughs) So yeah. Right. Like after, um, after I graduated, I went to school at UC San Diego and this, by this time I had switched my major four times, 
I changed my professional path four times and I was like, okay, not medicine, not like not the law field, not the political field. Like where am I? So just packed my car and drove up to San Francisco to be in the middle of tech and innovators and all that stuff. And, um, I left work one day and I was in charge of diversity recruiting at this time. I was also going through a season of my life where, um, was going through a lot of, um, like toxicity at work and at home with, with a relationship. So, um, I was like diverse pipelines, right? Like interviewing a lot of people and also noticing like where my Filipinos at, like, again, like, why are we never out here? Mm -hmm. And so like leaving work one day feeling really, I think defeated for some reason. Um, I just pulled up my phone and I started searching up stories of Filipino women, right? Mm -hmm. Like stories of empowering Filipino women. I was just needing it so much. It was like, it was just like a like a hunger that I had never before because I had always followed like women of color, empowerment, like Asian women, blah, blah, blah. And, like it never mattered to me to, to find stories of my own kind. But for some reason the other day, I just wanted to find stories of women that I knew grew up like me, got what I was going through, overcame the same cultural barriers as I did. And what kept coming up repeatedly was like, nothing, 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 nothing. And I felt like this like rising panic building up in me. Like, why is there nothing? Why is there nothing? And I go on more platforms, like still nothing. And then what would come up was like, why Filipino women great make great meal order brides or how to date foreign Filipino women. And like, this is why they make great submissive women. And I, I just, in that moment, this like pain and anger that I felt like I suppressed my whole life, just like exploded in that moment of like, I can't believe this is what's out there. And it wasn't even just, but it wasn't the the anger anymore of like resentment that I was used to feeling. It was like this, oh, this is an injustice being done to us. Cause I know, I, I know in my heart of hearts, like there's this like deeper knowing that I had of like, I don't think that it's, we're not doing big things out there. I think that we are still invisible and we're still being silenced and we're still being marginalized and that there are women out there who are feeling the same thing, who are working hard and building these things who are like breaking ceilings and they just need a platform to be seen, to be heard. They just need their stories to be told. And I can guarantee you, Crystal, if you're feeling this way, same thing, like all of us, right? Our, yeah. our own stories become um, a reflection of what other stories are and our pain is turned into that purpose of like, there are other women who are also seeking this, who need to find these stories, who are feeling just as like lonely yeah. and lack of belonging. And if you could just find those stories and tell them um, something is going to happen. And that something started as a podcast that I started as the passion project. And it's now uh, like three to four years later, fast forward it's grown from just, you know, like the top podcast for Filipino women to um, really like this global community. Um, I would like to call it like an, a movement of Filipina excellence because we have better national call it a movie. You better you better call it a movement. <laughs> it is. I know. It's a movement. Um, um, yeah. Own that. And so, I'm owning and it, so yeah. during that time period, you know, before it became what it is today, like what motivated you? 
because you didn't see the full vision. You know, you said you were going through things in your personal life. You were going through things at work. What motivated you to keep, you know, watering the seed that God has planted into your heart in times of difficulty? Yeah, I think that there was this natural curiosity and like research mode that I was doing. Like it really just felt like, okay, I'm going to take a dig at this and just see what I find and just peeling back all those layers of everything that I had assumed. It was almost like I was like wanting to prove myself wrong about the assumptions that I made about the women in my community and the assumptions that were, and I would find that I was also breaking myths and assumptions that were made of our community for us. Because I find that if you're not writing your stories, if you're not crafting your representation, someone else is writing them for you. Someone else is representing for you. Can you say it one more time? If you are not writing your stories, if you're not controlling your representation, someone is controlling it for you. That's the power of like dominant media of institutions who have control about how our identities are being framed. Our stories are being told. Our histories are being framed. Um, It's, it's not just like the information is out there and fine. And no, someone is controlling it and getting to frame like how valuable your people are or not, how like much they've contributed to history or not. Right. And this is, this is extremely important that, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking for Filipino people, but whatever background and community that you identify with, just know that there's been a certain group westernized, probably power that has had control of how our stories have been told for centuries and is still being set up un- unless there's enough people upending that. And unless there's enough people who are going back and saying like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound that I don't think that was just our history. I don't think that is the, I, I don't think that is all that we're about. I don't think that we were just like the little Brown brothers. That's what they called us in world war II, helping America. I don't think that we were just saved by, I, I don't think that like, I think that there's some story that's being untold here and it's unfair. It's now unfair to let us all like, it's time to, to free. I always say like calling it like freeing the Filipina (laughs) because so long as she has been put in a box and it's time to like unleash her excellence and elegance. And I was always like looking for like excellence and elegance and, and like wanting to know like that this is here with us right now. And Although looking back at our history has been really hard for me because um, there's not a lot of that. And that's because we've been in a history of consistent struggle and, and revolution and, um, you know, that, that fight against colonizers and oppressors. But what I see right now is in the present moment in this community that I run of Filipinas who are breaking out of the box, are stepping into their passions, are, you know, changing generational um limitations and and pursuing excellence like this is where excellence and elegance is and this is where we get to rewrite our narrative and redefine 
what for so long has been the definition for us. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. you go back, you get to look at what's been written and historically told yeah. about you. You get to say, I, that's wrong. Let's rewrite this in the here and now. So Oof, that's so good. That's so good. That's the same perspective I had with Christianity before I gave my life to Christ again. Yeah. I was looking at the Christian narrative of like what it looks like to be a Christian and all the girls were just like with their sheep and their lambs in the room and everyone looks so clean and so pure. And I was like, I don't, I don't resonate with any of this. Are we, why are we just doing the same thing? Like, even when we look at the Christian narrative, right? There's an agenda on that. Like when people, when you say Christian to like a non-believer, they already have something in their mind about Christianity or what it means to be a Christian, right? So as, you know, the Lord continues to advance your position and elevate you and promote you, what is your vision when it comes to, you know, you are not only representing the Filipino community, but you're also a representation of the kingdom, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, you know, people's queens, you guys move in a way, in a different way from all the other archetypes, because God literally has given you like the mind of like a politician in a way, like you're running a campaign right now, almost like yeah. you are in politics, right? <laughs> and so it's like, you're, you're getting all of this training. How do you see everything that you are learning, everything that you're experiencing as um, tools that you can also bring into the kingdom of God. Mm, Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, What I'm really learning right now through this process as I'm running this, I just launched a crowdfund campaign and this is something that I've never done before. Right. And you have to consistently be reminding yourself like why, you're doing this because there's so many different reasons and motivators and um the roller coaster of of this thing of like just being susceptible to so so much potential for like failure you know yeah and what i can offer from this current experience is that more than ever connecting with God as the, the, like the true shepherd of his sheep. Like we are all just stewardesses, right? We're stewarding this gift, whether that's, um, of speaking of like leading, um, teams, managing, whatever it is of art, of creativity. Like we're all just stewarding because God has a heart for his people more than anybody else does. Yeah. And the minute that I feel pressure is when I feel like it's my responsibility to free, to advance, to, to like liberate, to empower. And I can feel, I can literally feel it on my shoulders, that like weight of the world. You can feel in your body where the pressure is, right? And that's where the I feel like the enemy really wants to crush you because the enemy won't crush you with like like bad things like drugs, partying. Okay, sure. Then he'll crush you with um, confusion, a lack of purpose. Okay, well you got your purpose. He'll you got your purpose. He will confuse you with distractions. Oh my gosh, all the distractions, distractions. Okay, boom. You come over the distractions. The enemy will crush you with your own feeling of your mission, sometimes your responsibility. And you can't 
you can't be overtaken by that because there are times when I feel so overtaken by it and it's hard to go on that I like, I'm feeling the weight of the world right on my shoulders or, or or like, I think that this is maybe a common um, struggle, a challenge for people's Queens because you're so connected to the cause of the people. Don't let that crush you. That's not your responsibility. It's going to take you down if you feel like that's your responsibility. And what's so beautiful where I've found the overcoming of that, I think in the recent week, three weeks ago is when I was supposed to launch this campaign. Yeah. The state of mind and body that I was in three weeks ago, Sola, was not like today. I was anxious. I was just crying. I was, con- I was so scared. I remember I would talk to you, Sola, and be like, I'm so scared. I'm yeah. like, I'm scared. That's like, that's not the spirit of God. And I remember reading the scripture. The, yeah, like that scripture of um, the Lord didn't give you the spirit of spirit of the power exactly. of sound mind. Exactly. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I could feel that transition over the past three weeks because three weeks ago, I was not ready to launch this. I was in the, the spirit of fear yes. of like whether that was because of failure, of just not feeling ready when whatever. Yeah. And it's almost like the Lord is so good because he won't walk us through something that even though like we're forcing ourselves through it, that's going to take us out. Like I, I really like the God is, is so tender loving with his children that he's like, okay, I know that you feel like you need to do that. But it's like, I, I care about your health. I care about your well being. You're my child. And we have to remember, like, especially as entrepreneurs, like we can hustle and like grind so hard, but like God doesn't want us to like live in this burnt out way. Yeah. He doesn't want us to be pursuing his mission in this like martyrdom. Right. And I think that's what God has really shown me that he's like, I know you care. I know you really care, but like my child, like we're not, we're not going to do this in, in this state. Like I want to take care of you first. And he brought in like friends and like my friends randomly, like best friends, flew from out of the country and stayed with me and they like lived with me for a bit and it just started becoming this time of like let's regroup let's like let's get socialized again like don't be alone like let's go out like my like let's surround yourself with people who love you and then but once that got over then I had more clarity on my campaign to reshift and I started reaching out to mentors and advisors and when I thought I was supposed to launch it then um it was like not yet not yet and I was like really not yet like I was putting myself down so much yeah. because of I deleted again but then all my mentors and advisors they like worked with me they're like hey we see this like let's work on this like let's do this x y and z and then right before I was going to launch um they they basically had me scrap my whole campaign I got overwhelmed again and my friend she sat me down she's like go in the other room give me your laptop she was like, just lie down and take a breath. And she started reworking everything for me and just sending out all the emails for me. Like, that's the beauty of community, right? Like, that's the beauty of, like, I really believe God is like, you're not doing this alone. You're not supposed to. Like, yep. he brings in provision of people. And then, like, that shifted the 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 date again one more week. And it was just like, so great to have Ooh, you right, just come said, in. You just said a key word. He brings the provision of people. Yes. 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 Yeah. 
because wow. we're not supposed to do this alone. I'm fully convinced like God is like, why are you trying to do this alone again? Like yeah. rely on God, obviously like partner with God, but be, be open to letting God then open the door and bring in his people. Cause he has, he has appointed people for your path. He's excited exactly. to bring people in your path. He's like, are you ready for this? Like, he's like, oh, I got, I got something for you. Like just open the door, stop trying to do this on your own. And, and then that's exactly what happened. And like, literally as of that, like Monday happened, which is like this week was going to be the week of this campaign. And I woke up Monday and yeah. the fear was gone. Come on. The fear was gone. Come on. Because the anxiety that, around this was gone. Fear was not from you. It was from it's spiritual warfare. Yes. Anytime you are someone who is carrying a calling and people's queens, y'all carry some of the highest callings because you are meant to go against people sometimes, narratives, stories, fear. You're meant to go against. You're like at the battleground, right? And so anytime you are carrying a calling that is not just about you, you better understand that spiritual warfare comes with it. Because mm-hmm. if you can understand that spiritual warfare comes with it, you will always think it's yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling? Yeah. It's because literally we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is, it's truly spiritual. And the work that you're 100%. doing, the work that you're oh doing gosh, is going to yeah. help so many other people. And yeah. anytime you're trying oh. to help people, it comes with, you know, the attacks. And yes. so if you guys yeah. are listening to this and you feel like you have a calling on your life and you you battle through anxiety and depression or whatever it may be, just understand it comes with the territory. If you're mm. going to accept a calling because it's a choice. Crystal and I have tasted the side of life where we don't need to be always mm. you know, going after these, these things that God has put in our heart, right? Like, but what pushes us, what pushes us is feeling like there's a calling and literally your calling will be calling you. It, it, it's like pulling you out of a situation. It pulls you in another direction. And anytime you choose to pick up that phone and answer, answer the calling, it's very important that we share with the people who are listening. It comes with, it's going to come with, you know, doubt. It's going to come with anxiety. It's going to come with, you know, whatever it may come with, but just know that those things are not from God. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important to understand those things are not from God. Right. Right. And I think the, thank you for sharing that. Like it really just comes with this territory. It yeah. truly does. And the point isn't to, if you feel it, you're like, oh, I'm not prepared for, I have to wait for this to be over. Yeah. Uh, you actually have to learn how to kind of like coexist a little bit with those like feelings and then call on the strength of the Lord. That's it. Like that, it's just going to be like the strength of the the spirit that's going to be moving and having you type and having those calls when you, you don't even feel ready for it. You're just, you're just like kind of living with the the strength of the spirit at that point, because you're just going to have, you can't wait for it to be over. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Oh, 100%. And then scripture says when we are weak, he is strong. Mm -hmm. So it's like not like posturing ourselves to like, okay, God, I got this. You know what I mean? It's like, no, Lord, I need you. How do you, do you have moments where you're going through difficulty, especially as you're launching this campaign, which we're going to be talking a little bit in a moment, but do you have moments where you don't even feel like praying in the midst of all of the, you know, chaos in your life? Or have you conditioned and trained yourself enough to always kind of go to the Lord in prayer? Yeah. In the past, 
in the past, I would say it would be hard to pray. I feel like I've built a muscle now where God has shown me enough examples of his provision yeah, that yeah. it's not, it's like without even a doubt anymore. Like I, I can't doubt that, that like God's um, guidance is what I need. Right. Like, and, and now more than ever, there's just something so interesting about being in such a um, completely uncharted territory kind of like path is like all you can rely on is the one person who sees it all. Come on. Oh my God. Did you guys hear that? (laughs) Ladies, did did y'all just hear that just now? Crystal, come on. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. When you're walking a blinded path, there's nothing laid out for you. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you might be facing all these like feelings, anxieties, or just like indecision or what's like, what's left from right. Truly the only voice, only person that you can rely on is the person who sees it all. Like who, the one who just sees everything. And you're just like, I know you see everything. I, you see things that I don't see. Your ways are higher than mine. Mine. Right. Yes. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I actually see that with celebration now. I'm so happy that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts because my thoughts be crazy sometimes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on up there, but like, this is the part where I will plug into the person whose ways are higher than all the ways. Right. Yes. And how beautiful is it? That in those moments, you can have a direct through line, a direct plug to the, to the one whose ways are higher than like always. And right. Like it's just, it's, it's, and I think what happens with Christian programming, we, we devalue that over a period of time when it comes to our walk with God, there's so many aspects of our relationship with God that we're conditioned to devalue. It's like, what's the point of praying? You know, what's the point of, you know, reading your scripture? What's the point yeah. of you reciting? You know what I mean? And that's the enemy. The enemy always yeah. wants you to devalue your relationship with God because he wants you to devalue God's power. You know, mm-hmm. but God can do greater things mm-hmm. than you can think, ask, or imagine, yeah. you know? Yeah. Before we even touch on the campaign, like, who, like, where did you get this idea of, like, even running a campaign? Because there's there's a lot of people's queens who are listening to this who have big visions in their hearts, and they're looking at their bank account, and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to even bring this vision to life. So where did you even get the, the concept or the idea of being able to utilize crowdfunding and in, in the resources of the people around you? Yeah, I think I got to a point where we had, for the past two to three years, already we being me, uh, built yeah. all these yeah. different resources and opportunities, whether it was, you know, like the podcast or like just the content or our membership, our discussion circles, our workshops, our events, our, our like national like pop-ups and meetups and all these things happening already that proved, okay, there's a need here. There's an audience. You kind of, uh, do that. Like proof of product, proof of need. Right. And I'm getting all like on business and entrepreneurial mode, like by, by explaining this, but I think it's important. I didn't just say like, Oh, I have this idea and I want to fundraise for it. Yeah. Right. Like this 
over the past three years, I really like built and tested and tried and and like established what are our different business models and community needs were. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, great. This wants to continue. This needs to continue. Great. I've lit, have hit my limit. I've plateaued in what I'm capable of doing because I'm one person. So mm-hmm. you have two options with that. You can just keep on generating revenue and building, you know, a team, getting one person contracting like here and there and picking like, it's like, it's like a little bit like musical chairs or Tetris of like, okay, what what's gonna, what's like first here, what's gonna work here, but that's gonna take longer. It's just gonna take more time. Working mm-hmm. in different startups, I really learned that once you have proof of product with like your first base, your fan base, your beta group, whatever, you found it works, you got to build fast. You got to hire a team and build fast, right? And, and that's something I really like learned from, let's say like Jeff Bezos. Um, they focused Amazon on, like he took no profits for the yeah. first 10 years and just went fast and hard at building and scaling as fast as he could to get Amazon to boom, the empire it is today. But no one knew that they were just like, let's let's yeah. hire, like let's get enough people and build as quick as we can. And then it like, and then, you know, go from there and take over the world, I guess. (laughs) So this decision came because it became clear. I needed to hire a team. I needed capital to hire a team. And, and I could do that through different routes. Like I was not going to go through the slow revenue growth anymore because like that, I, you know, you're just going to get like, it's going to take time. You can get burnt out this and that, and just, you know, so, and then I kept getting like these different, um, crowdfund asks from other members of our community of these, like other women saying like, Hey, we're raising this for a film idea we have. Can you like, and I was always like, yeah, I want to support that. That's awesome. And I was like, wait a freaking minute. I can do this. You know, like mm-hmm. I have enough people. I feel that has, has really like benefited from what I'm doing here. And I, I really believe that they would be, you know, excited to support continuing this. So that's kind of what, where it, like the decision happened in April and May. And I kind of like had to get through enough time to where I am now to start it now. But that's why the decision has been like, okay, we are going to crowdfund and we are going to use these funds to essentially sustain our community, but also expand everything that we're doing in order to really take what we're doing global and I want to reach 1 million Filipino women around the world mm-hmm. with our podcast and our empowerment events. I want to make sure that this is more than just Philippine on the rise and more content and more videos and, you know, getting people to help me. I think it's, it's about coming into fruition with what this vision is about Filipino excellence, about every Filipino woman feeling powerfully represented that every like woman, no matter what industry that she's in, she sees someone that can look like her, who can mentor her. She can like link arms with and lift off and all that stuff. And to like, like really address this problem of feeling lonely and like this lack of belonging that is so rampant right now um, around the world. I think for most communities, it's about building like very intentional sisterhood for, um, for my community. And then also I want to set up like a blueprint. Like I really want to prove this, this like model of yes, crowdfunding, but also a blueprint of what like 
um, my community has done and what others can do too. So the power of people, right? It's, it's so interesting because literally even when I teach people, whether through my clients or courses, I always teach people the queen path is about going through these three phases. It's discovery, it's decision, and then it's devotion. And you mentioned that whole journey. So you had this moment, you were discovering things about crowdfunding, and then you made that decision point, right? And then after decision, and a lot of people are afraid to make a decision on anything because they understand the moment you decide something, it's time to commit. It's time to be devoted, but you're in the realm of devotion now. So now you have this opportunity to not even be dependent on the digital world. You can walk into one room, Crystal, carry the vision. Someone can see you and be like, yes, and pledge uh, X amount. You know what I mean? And that's the power that people, queens, like that's the power that y'all have. You guys don't have to be dependent on the digital space. You guys know how to walk and move in rooms. And so now that you're entering into this realm of devotion, you're out of the realm of decision. You're in this realm of devotion. You're in the campaign world. So how can uh, my community, how can we support? Where, where do we go to support this campaign? Thank you. And I want you to think about like who, anyone listening, um, who is a Filipino woman that you know in your life and that you care about or that you just kind of know about? And um, and th- this is how you think of it as like why it matters to you. This is like a, her home. This is her community where she can find representation and empowerment and resources and friendships and stuff. So it's like, think of you when you contribute to this, you're helping create um, a community and success for her where they can go for it. I'm going to drop you the link. It's our Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. I have a video on there that is explaining our story behind this and also what our vision is for next year and for other women in the world and, um, and exactly like what this funding is going through and all that stuff. Right. But also when you contribute, you get different rewards and like different instant, like just gifts and like opportunities and stuff. Um, and I would like to think of it, like, if you get something that maybe you can, um, dedicate this to someone in your life that, you know, and, and really see that as you contribute, you are, directly helping a community that is already here. And it's just, um, it's like, we're waiting to be activated, like truly activated. So you're helping activate a community that's already, like, it's just needing that chance to, to like be activated and like unleash all our goodness to the world. <laughs> so thank you for helping that. And when you do, you get also like a ticket to one of our events. So yeah. come join and like, you know, come to one of our awesome events. Welcome. You're going to get fed a lot of amazing Filipino food and just got a lot of love and sisterhood and all that stuff. So there you go. I love it. I love it. And what is the website? It's you, can people just go to filipinontherise.com and find it through there or can they go yes. through Instagram? Yes, they can go on filipinontherise.com and they can go on Indiegogo. Um, I can drop you the link if that's okay. And also, um, and that's on our Instagram, Filipina on the rise is where we're just most in activity. Please, um, yeah, check it out. See, see all the ways that you can have an impact with this and then share with your friends and your family, your pages, your LinkedIn, everything helps, everything helps. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Like you're helping us rise. We rise together. So thank you. I love it. And where can people follow you personally so they can get inside of the mind of a yeah. queen? Instagram Filipina on the rise. That is where I'm most active. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Crystal, you. for your time. And 
I just know that the Lord's going to reach you to your destination. And I'm so excited to support and be a witness of what you do with your community. Thank you so much for your time today. And do you have any last piece of advice for women who, who are like you, women who have your archetype, any, you know, big sister advice you can share with them before we close out? Absolutely. Um, I would say two things. Feedback is a gift. Do not be afraid of it. Watch where you might be avoiding feedback because of you're like protecting yourself for fear of like rejection, but it is a gift from the right people. It will only make you stronger. So absolutely make yourself susceptible to it and stretch yourself for it. It might hurt a little bit, but it like being open for the hardest feedback for me has been one of the the most strengthening things in this journey. So, um, and then second, the importance of being saturated in scripture, I cannot stress enough morning and night, just being like saturated in it to get you through these kind of seasons and these times. Um, it starts to work wonders for you in ways that you can't even, um, carry yourself with your own strength, just being saturated in scripture. Even if you don't know why you're reading it or what you're doing, just like literally read it anyways, connect with it and it will take you places. I promise. I love it. Thank you, Crystal, so much. Thank you so much. This is so great. Thank you for using your platform to uh, elevate so many women and connect them to back to their father. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Queen Path. If you want to support this podcast, all you need to do is share this episode with a friend or maybe leave a five-star review on how this podcast has impacted you or helped you. Um, But yeah, if you have a people's queen in your life, maybe someone who might not even realize that they're a people's queen, send them this interview or maybe send them the queen path quiz, which you can find on www.thequeenpath.com. And, you know, let's start the dialogue, especially if you don't have this archetype, you need this archetype in your life right now. So connect with your fellow people's queens. We are meant to do this together. We are not meant to walk this path alone. And next week, we'll be diving deeper into the Queen of Streams archetype, which is my archetype. We have a very special interview with an incredible guest that I'm so excited about. So definitely stay in the loop for that and follow us on our Instagram page. It is the Queen Path. May the Lord strengthen you for this week ahead. Remember to put on the full armor of God armor up in the spirit, be protected, and you will prosper in all the things that God has for you. I'll see you all in the next episode.